RadioInfluence.com. And welcome to another episode of the Real Animals Podcast, always presented by my good friends at Contender Boats. I'm super excited today, uh, talking with a good friend of mine from the beautiful city of Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, in my opinion, probably one of the best redfish anglers uh, in the entire country, uh, for sure in the top 10. If I if I had to put a top 10 together, I couldn't put a top 10 together without this man being on my list, and he is Captain Ben Alderman. Benny, how are you today, buddy? Great, Mike. Good to talk to you. Good to have you, Good my friend. You. I, uh, hey, well, thank you. Thank you for those kind words. I don't know if I'd make the top 10. Oh, I think you'd make <laughs> the top 10. you make my top 10. I know, well, I appreciate it. I'm going to make yeah. my own top 10. <laughs> <laughs> I've, fished, I, I've fished with a lot of really, really good fishermen, as as everybody knows. I've been blessed to do the TV show for, you know, just finish up season 14. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. Thank you. I don't know that I've ever been more impressed with a with a charter captain with a captain a, a guest captain on one of my shows than i was the two days that you and i spent in charleston and well i really i appreciate that well and and, 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 we, and we worked and we and we were i've never seen a fishery and we'll get into the charleston fishery a little bit i've never seen a fishery with that much bait in it if you remember that those two <laughs> days there was so much shrimp and so much bait uh it was unbelievable um, there's more there's more right now there's exactly. more it's like twice as much oh. this year as there was that year you can walk across it really you can you can literally walk across it fish if the if the conditions are right um like today we had the wind blow around you know it's opposite here than this where you guys are when we have the we've had that west wind blowing for for a long time and it's just hot and still so today it switched around and we had a little bit of east wind and northeast west coming off the beach and the water cleared up and man the fish just went crazy on the finger mullet. Just you remember that's what we were using when you were oh, here. Yeah. It's the summertime, yep. so it's a finger mullet pattern. And uh, I've been fishing that exact same spot where we finished up on that trip and I caught one on top water on the uh, and on the skitter walk and we uh, ended the show. Our, that spot has just been on fire. I mean, as many as you want to catch, as many wow. as you want to catch. So, but on what? but on the finger mullet, my guys were asking me this morning, just like they're like, man, could we could we just throw a paddle tail or a gulp <laughs> shrimp or something like that? I was like, you could throw it. Uh, I was like, first thing in the morning and in the afternoon, you might get bit. But during the middle of the day, with all this bait crawling everywhere. <laughs> You gotta match the hatch. It's just like, it's just like fishing in a stream somewhere. Yeah, it it was it was. I remember thinking to myself that this is just got to be such a tough thing to do. You have somebody in town to film a show. You know that adds pressure to the day, and then to have that much bait in the estuary is crazy. And and what really impressed me, and every time I get to talking to somebody about you, I, I tell them. I was, you know, we caught, we caught a handful of fish every day, some really nice fish. We had to work for it, um, which isn't, you know, it's, that's a typical thing. It happens in every fishery, 
every estuary. You have days where you just you got to go grind it out to make it happen. Um, oh yeah. But what I couldn't believe was I, I was I was blown away by how every spot. You know, we'd be working down a shoreline, and and you'd be like, "Wow, you, you see where the the grass ends right there, and the the rocks start right about there. There's going to be a couple of fish." And and lo and behold, we get up there 30, 40 yards, fifty yards, and boom, there would be a couple of redfish on that spot. And we'd go to another spot, and you'd say, "Okay, we come around this corner. You see that point? You know, there might be some fish here, but when we get to that point, there'll be a couple of fish on that point for sure." And boom, you know, there was fish on that point. Well, that's just our fishery. You know, we have a six-foot tide every six hours. So our fish are on a schedule. And our fish stay, you know, in a certain spot day after day after day. If you don't take them, if, you don't, if people don't want to kill them and you don't take them out of your spot, you can go back and catch the same fish every other day. You know, you do have to, you have to rotate your crops around here. You can't just <laughs> hammer the same fish every day and expect them to bite. So we do, you know, switch around. You know, we fish the wind like everywhere else. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know it, at certain times of the tide, I probably know, I don't know uh, I'll just off the top of my head, I hate to, to brag, but off the top of my head, at any given time, I, I could be at like 100 different places. <laughs> no, there's, and so that's why, that's the conundrum. And that's why, like, when we have tournaments around our home borders, it becomes such a problem is because you, you just think, golly, if it doesn't happen for me right here, right now, I can get. Up, I need to get up and move. But you know, our fishery, you know, it depends on how fast the water is moving. Just like everywhere else, I think, depends on how fast the water is moving is going to determine, you know, what kind of bite we have. If if it's barely moving at all, and I'm sitting at a spot hoping for fish to come to me, and they just stay where they are and just never get forced to move. Um, you know, you can sit there and wait and wait. And when it's hot in the summertime, that's the worst kind of thing. So we do run and gun and like, I'll, I'll go to a spot where I know they're going to be sitting and we'll hit it. We'll make a couple of casts on that spot. And if we don't catch them there pretty quick, you know, I, I know it's not going to just eventually, you know, you can't just sit there and wait for them to get right. there. Cause it's just not going to happen. Right. You got to just keep running around. And this time of the year when it's, 90 degrees or 95 degrees i welcome picking up the rod you know pulling in the rods and moving to the next spot that's the only air conditioning we get yeah you're I've right had one you're right. day off i've had yeah. one day off in the past uh to since they opened back up the, the isle of palms where i run out of since they opened the isle of palms back up to the public i've had one day off and i was rained out one day wow so and that's been about two and a half months so you can imagine the raccoon eyes are in full effect and uh, <laughs> my skin, my skin is crying. It really is. But <laughs> it's, well, it's, these days I, I've, I've done three doubles this week. Oh, so we had, yeah, three doubles for a 50 something year old man is not easy. I'm telling you the 12 hour days in the heat, um, get to you. Yeah, you're you're, but, you're you're tougher you're tougher than I am because uh, I'm to the point now where I might I might run one or two doubles a year. Uh, and the last one I ran here just not long ago, I, I scheduled. I think it wasn't quite it wasn't getting really crazy hot yet, but even then, I, I did a morning snook trip and an afternoon tarpon trip, 
And buddy, mm-hmm. by the time I hit the dock at, you know, eight o'clock at night and got done scrubbing the boat and hit the pillow at, you know, 10 30, 11 o'clock, whatever it was, I was, my 50 year old bones were beat up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I can't even I imagine. Ooh, that's I can't. The way I feel. But sometimes I get forced into doubles. I don't yeah. really like to double, but like this week I had, like I had a call, you know, I don't get calls like this very often, but I had a call from a guy on the, uh, the mayor's son from North Charleston. He said he had the, the pilot for Air Force One was coming in and he wanted to fish for a couple of hours in the afternoon. And I was like, gosh, look at, I got a morning trip, but I'm taking him. <laughs> so, of course, I wanted to take that guy because he was so awesome. Just to meet people like that yeah. is one of the best things about being in the business, getting to meet uh, people like that. But uh, the pilot for Air Force One came and fished with me with five people on my skiff. Oh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I tried to, I said, we're going to split up into two boats. And, uh, they said, they called back and they were like, if we got to split up, we don't even want to fish. So I was like, Oh no. So we said, we, I, I put five people on my boat, but that means that nobody gets to cast, but the captain, <laughs> and that's not, you know, it's summertime trip. So a lot of, it's a lot of sitting with, rods in the rod holder anyway for sharks and things like that but when i have five people on an 18 foot maverick that's uh that's that's close quarters and all the other captains look at me like look at him he's just trying to make that money he's stacking them on there i'm like man don't give me a break i was just (laughs) i'm not stacking them on there i'm not just taking five people just like pilot for air force one you know you can't tell tell that guy uh nah i'm not gonna take you now you gotta leave some people at home you got to do it. I hear you. you so, do it. Nah. so Ben Ben Alderman is is a fly guy. He's an artificial mm-hmm. guy, and he's a live bait guy. So, yes. so tell me, if Ben Alderman goes out fun fishing, which one of those mm-hmm. three is which? Which one is Ben doing? What is Ben's favorite? It, of it the depends. Trio? It that really depends on the tide. Okay. If, it, if, if we have a high tide. And it's sunny like it is right now, and we haven't had a breath of wind in it seems like a couple of weeks. But if this if it's high tide and the water's way up in the grass year round, you know our fish will get up in there and, and float around. So I like throwing a spinner, getting up with a bait. I you know I'm the only here in South Carolina and just like Florida, bait casters are a rare sight. But I like to take my bait casters with some bass type gear and just sight fishing the grass if i was going to do it myself because we got pigs just laying up in the marsh and it's super hot it's hard for me to take people to do that right now because it's too hot but there's big fish just laying up in in the grass and so we can you can those are fish you can see and pitch to and watch eat and a lot of times i like to use a spinnerbait because this time of the year the fish are in the marsh and want to eat crabs half of the fish we clean have crabs in their stomach. So I've always thought that a spinner bait, you can't, you, know, you don't just reel a spinner bait for redfish. If you, if you just reel a spinner bait for redfish, a lot of times it scares them. That's just too much, too much vibration most of the time. Sometimes they'll react to it, but, but most of the time with a, with a spinner bait, what I like to do is just yo yo it, meaning just lift it up and let it fall and lift it up and let it fall. And that spinnerbait falling down looks like the 
I, I, this is, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the fish are thinking, but to me, it looks like a blue crab settling. It, to me, it looks like a blue crab settling down to the bottom. It looks like, uh, you know, like that swim, those back swim fins, yep. you know, that spin, that, that spinner bait. And I'm telling you, they hit it harder than any other bait that you use. I mean, I, you can throw jerk baits and other things and stuff, and the fish will come up and sip it or stop it. When they hit, it, when they hit a spinner bait in the grass here in South Carolina, they absolutely just pound it to the bottom. They're just <laughs> because they they think it's a crab, so they're just they just hammer it to the bottom. So it's Ooh. it's my favorite thing to do is to throw the spinner bait. But we didn't, you know, we never had. We were in a big boat. See, that's that's one thing that's different from what we were able to do um, on in a big boat as compared to what I do on a skiff every day. Right. You know, a lot of time, yeah. I'm, I'm like you say, I'm a fly guy, so I, I pull around, you know. So it's, it's a lot of what I'd like to do is sight fishing. But this time of the year, you, know, it, it just got too hot to do that. Now today was, it wasn't so hot. Today we had that little northeast, and it cooled down to like 89 was the high today. Okay. So it's a little bit better today. Um, but I've been forced out of where all my big fish were. Two or three weeks ago, I was up in the marsh just hammering giants. Like, when I say giants, I mean inshore giants, like 15, 18-pound fish in the, in the grass. And wow. We were just hammering them. But now when I take people back in there to try to do that, it, it's, it's, it's like a sauna. Yeah. You, you can't. You can take it for like five minutes, and then you're just like, we got to get out of here. And, and I'm saying that, and we're in South Carolina, and you're in Florida, so it's even hotter <laughs> down there. But it, you, you, you can hot. attest, it gets, yeah. it gets hot here, too. Yeah, you know, it, it gets it, hot yeah there's no doubt. Now, what, what is your... It what's affects your, the fishing, too. <laughs> what's your favorite season? You know, do you like to oh, fish the fall? Do you like to fall. fish the spring? Fall? Fall. Fall, for okay. sure. Here in Charleston. But, I mean, it's different. We have... We have different things for different seasons that turn that turn everybody on. You know, in the in the spring and through the summer, when we have our only tailing tides, and that's a special thing for Charleston. I mean, we have it in you have it in Jacksonville and Savannah and some other places too, where they do the same thing. But Charleston's tailing fishery is really good. Whenever we have a a big moon, anything over you know five two or five three, up to seven and a half feet. And tides. When we have those big tides um, that coincide with daylight, you know, you get out there and the fish just tail hard for fiddler crabs, and you, you know, you sight fish fish to fish, and you know, you can go right up to them. You don't have to have a great fly cast, or you just pull straight up to the fish. So that's that's a great thing to do during the spring, well, late spring, summer, and early fall. But just like in a lot of places, as soon and especially in Florida too, I love wintertime and Florida low tide fishing. Just like here in South Carolina, when the water gets cold and the bait starts to disappear, you know that's when artificial works here, like a charm, and we switch up from from using so much bait to throwing nothing but artificials. And uh, you know, as soon as that weather starts to turn, as soon as our water gets below sixty-five, you know, between sixty-five and sixty, the fish just they freak out and there's a period of it used to be october but with times have changed in the past 20 years the temperature has gotten it's changed it used to be october used to be used to be called everybody used to say red october because october used to be the hottest month everybody knew october was the hottest month for red fishing but now 
it's November. It's in my 25 years of guiding, it the the temperature has shifted one month. I don't know what that means. You know, that seems to me like that's a, you know, that's a pretty big shift. You know, I mean, it's only 25 years, so you know, but to change for an entire month, I mean, what used to be the weather of October is now the weather of November, and that's what I've, you know, that's my own observations over the years, and it, the fishing, you know, coincides with when that weather changes. And it's definitely changed over my career. That might change back, but well, I've I definitely think, seen a warm. I've definitely seen a warming trend. Just gotten hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. I think that's interesting because um, this is this month uh, marks my twentieth year guiding here on the west coast of Florida, and I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I think yeah. that everything has changed about a month. It seems right. like every year I say to myself and we stand on the dock, other guys, you know, dock talking and yeah, we're about a month ahead. We're about a month ahead. Yeah. We're about a month ahead. Or in your case, I guess you're a month behind. Right. Well, that's what I say. We'll notice now there, there, there will things, things will change that will like this year in the spring, we did feel like the bait was ahead, like a month ahead. Okay. Like the bait showed up a month earlier and that's i mean that's probably just the same that's the same thing yeah um you know the bait just got here earlier for us this year um and so maybe that's just continuing the trend but yeah it's definitely gotten warmer um or just warmer earlier um, and colder later um so you know november is our best month december is hot um and and good fishing january can be fantastic um, all the way through the winter, when it gets cold, if, if we have a calm day, the fishing can be great, unless it's just like frigid. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, if it's calm and it's sunny, the wintertime is great because the fish are in big schools. They don't move anywhere near the grass. See, it's a completely different fishery here from one season to the next. That's what's, that's what's great about Charleston fishing because, you know, summer t- fishing here in the summertime and fishing here in the wintertime, it's like two different places. Yeah, really? in the wintertime, it's in the wintertime. It's more like, you know, it's it's more like you think of bonefish flats. It's you know, there's big clear flats, and you you can see just a, a a hint of color or darkness in clear water and like four feet of water, as opposed to you know the the fish that have no bait in the grass. There's no there's no crabs in the grass to crawl up in there after, so they just hump together in these big in big schools, you know, 500 fish in a school wow. in certain bays. And, you know, you just have a big, dark mass. And lately, you know, since the, since the advent of drones, you know, everybody's <laughs> getting really cool shots of these, of these yeah. fish, you know, because yeah. they're, they're in giant waters. And that's when we catch them on artificials, but they they don't have much to eat during the winter. So they, they stay huddled up in those big masses and they kind of just move around trying to stir up anything on the bottom that they can get, you know, any kind of crab, any kind of mud crab or anything they can find. And, and, um, we can just, you know, you can see this, the school a long way away and make long podcasts through them and catch, you can catch, you know, that's time of the year when we catch lots and lots of fish and we have 50 fish days. Wow. This time of the year, this time of the year, you know, when the fish are, when it's as hot as it was today, we probably caught, I think we probably caught about 15 reds. A couple of trout and a flounder, and then we went shark fishing. Caught a few, caught a few sharks. 
Uh, yesterday, probably caught 25 vets in the same spot. But they're, you know, they're all 17 to 23 inches. Right. Um, we got into a couple of groups of bigger fish. But only thing, when it gets this hot, we have to fish deep. You know, I'm sure y'all have to do the same thing. But when, when, when it gets hot, we, we, go, we switch up to chasing the big holes. fish in the marsh. Yeah. Got a deeper fish and fishing some docks. Yep. Fishing yep. some ledges and, and things like that. Yeah. Same thing we do here. Let me, let me, uh, let me ask you a question with, with your great success, um, on the redfish tournament trail, um, and having fished in so many different fisheries, uh, at different times of the year and, and, and all the stuff that came with our, our time on the redfish tournament trail, what's Ben Alderman's favorite fishery to fish? Oh, Louisiana. I mean, Dennis, 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 Louisiana. <laughs> and, you know, I love, I've always loved Hopedale and, you know, and that whole area because I got friends that live there. But Dennis is where the wild stuff happens. You know, it's where it's, it's I've always told people it reminds me of the Amazon, you know, it's because the, <laughs> the, it's the Mississippi river flowing into the Gulf and it's where that meets. I mean, that's just the craziest things happen there. It's like, you know, patches. There'll be like one day you'll go into a flat and there'll be, it'll be look like there won't be much in there. And then the next day you'd go into this flat and there'll be thousands of little quarter size crabs, like little crabs, the size of a quarter. There'll just be thousands of them and they'll just be <laughs> just blowing up and just mouthing on them. Thousands. It's just, that's the only place I've ever seen things like that happen. You know, I hear way up in North Carolina on the Outer Banks, you know, you get way out there and, and you see some crazy stuff happen out there too. But Louisiana is, you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to fathom how those fish are still so dumb after all these people <laughs> pounding on them like they do. But hey, listen, they have changed. Louisiana fish oh, it's changed. aren't as easy to catch as they used to be. I mean, oh, it used to be just stupid, but at least, yeah. you know, you still, you still, it's so funny here, you know, you got to lead a fish. You have to see him, lead him, not land anywhere close to him with an artificial and, and have it cross in front of him a foot or two away. So he gets a look at it, but not too good of a look at it that he'll run out and eat it. Right. Down there, down there, you put it on their face. Yeah. You, put it, you, you, you don't lead anything. You put it right on their head because it's, it's all about reaction bite. And yeah. And if I sometimes I'll have a really good angler here, and that fishes like that, like they're in Louisiana. And if sometimes, you know, a lot of times it is better to throw a, a bait in front of a fish working towards you, as opposed to to the side and out past and try to get an angle coming, you know, as it comes towards them because the angle might not be right, and, right. It'll, and it'll spook them off. So a lot of times. Like I had a guy a couple of weeks ago, I realized after I, I realized I needed to shut up and let him do his thing. Cause he was, he was putting it, you know, when a fish would be, we were doing fish up in the grass and we would see it working towards us and tailing towards us. And in normal instances, I would be like, throw it 10 feet past him to the left and try to reel it in. So it's in, you know, you can intersect him in front of him at some point and hopefully he, he, he goes for it. But this guy was doing it like you would do in Louisiana, and he was the fish would come, and he would throw it two feet on our side of the fish, right in front of him, 
I mean, and I, I was thinking, oh, that's going to spook them. But two or three of the fish just immediately reacted to it, hitting the water, ran out and ate it. It was such a good cast. So, you know, that, that that's the time when I just need to stop trying to guide somebody who's a really good angler. Sometimes you just got to let them. Because the first time I said something, just like, no, yeah, cast over to the left. He looked at me kind of funny like, man, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And then, he, then he just makes an amazing cast and hooked the fish. I was like, wait a minute. I need to shut up what this guy do his thing. <laughs> sometimes you get those guys on the boat. It is rare, but sometimes yeah, you, you get those yeah, guys on you, the boat. You, you get them. It's hard to come out of guide mode. There's no doubt. Let me let me it ask is. you, you know, years and years and years now you've been fishing the the Charleston, South Carolina area. And, and I always ask this question of, of – whoever I'm doing a podcast with just to kind of get a feel for it. You know, fishing is the number one participation sport in the country. More people fish than play golf and tennis combined. And then you mix in a pandemic and the the fact that little leagues are down and, and we have so much extra fishing pressure this year, in my opinion, the last 10 years than, than what we've ever had. In, in your opinion, being on the water all the time, what, what is the state of the fishery in Charleston, South Carolina? Are you seeing it hold its own? Is it better than it was years ago when you started? Or I, will it I think it's holding its own. Okay. It's not it's not better. Not when I than when I started. Uh, when I started uh, a long time ago, things were you know, it was a lot wilder. There were a lot, lot, lot less people. You know, Charleston has been Connas traveler and all these things like number one destination city in the country for like five or six years in a row and we get it's just things have changed here in the past 10 years locals are you know slipping north and south trying to get out of the it's just a you know it's just things have changed a lot now in the this pandemic when they when it was closed down in april and may it was just like wow will everything it will, will things ever get back to normal and all of a sudden they say okay you can open the islands and do short-term rentals and i've never seen anything like this the traffic the people it's twice as many people as there were before it was like <laughs> they were holding back holding everybody and holding everybody back and then they just let everybody go at once i mean just the traffic's twice as bad the waiting at, you know lines at ramps and things that we never had before i mean it's just it's funny people have just have gone uh, it's it's got to be the one activity that people can still do. At least here, you know, people can still fish. And there was a little time where they closed the public ramps, but it didn't last. And and now it's just, it's really crazy. But since we've had an uptick, they just closed the Wild Dunes Resort. And I've had, I had three cancellations in the past two days for August um, because people, because they closed one of the resorts here. So we'll see how we'll see how it all turns out. Um, I think, and I feel like, I mean, my business is I made up for the business I lost in April and May. I made up for it in June and July just for doing. Now I did, like I say, I've done a lot of doubles though. Normally I don't do doubles, but you know, when there's a pandemic and you don't know if the business is they're going to keep the resorts open, and you just got to we got to strike while the iron's hot. You know, it's yeah. just, it's time to fish. <laughs> yeah, you got to make hay while the sun shines. There's no doubt about that's it. Correct. That's a, that's that's a very, yeah, that's a very uh, old saying in the charter boat business. When the sun's out. I mean, 
<laughs> you better be rolling. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 51 years old. I've been guiding. This is my 25th year of guiding. And, um, I'm thinking 60 might be it. I don't know. Yeah. I'd like, <laughs> there are very, there are very few guides that do what I do physically. I would have to like change the way I fish to fish past 60. I think unless I can still jump around like I do at 60, maybe I'll be some kind of phenom, but I don't know. I'm <laughs> well, <laughs> things are starting. I'm, I'm a little sore in the morning. I'm gaining a little bit. I'm actually a little heavier, heavier than when you were here. I, uh, that that two months inside, I put on the COVID nineteen. Actually, I put on the COVID thirty, and I've lost it back down. I really did. I burned up from. I wasn't working out, and I realized that before once when I got a bay boat instead of a, a skiff, and I stopped pulling for a year. I gained twenty pounds. It's oh, just bet. my only exercise. My only exercise, really, I guess, is climbing up and down from that pulling platform. <laughs> and jumping and jumping down from the polling platform and climbing up on the polling platform. I think that's my only exercise, but uh, it seems to work for me. So. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's it's a uh, it's a lot of work. Let me uh, ask you a, another question here, and and I'm going to steer us back towards your your tournament career um, oh, yeah. with with some great wins and 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 just some some high quality competing that you. Uh, did for many years there on the tour. What's your proudest moment from your your time on the professional redfish tournament? Oh, for sure, for sure, winning that Clearwater tournament. The first, the winning in Clearwater, Florida. When you're from South Carolina, I think we were the first out of state team to win a Florida tournament because it's a whole different story in Florida uh, than it is anywhere else. The fish receive a lot of pressure down there. And uh, it's hard to get a lot, you know. To get, it's amazing when people catch a lot of fish in one day. Now, there are, you'll see, I'll sometimes watch the shows um, after the fact of the tournament, and people are just wearing them out. Danny Latham or somebody just sitting on them, just jacking them left and right. You're like, golly, how is he, how is he doing that? <laughs> and we've got, we were lucky to catch one or two, the, the right ones, you know, just knowing we're on the right ones and catch a couple of them. But some of those guys, I remember Ozzy one time. And those guys won a tournament in a 24-foot front with a 350. Do you remember that? It was like I do. Yeah. Big, big F uh, And now watch the show. And they were in like two and a half, three feet of water. Catch, <laughs> they call like 40. Yeah. And I remember us just struggling that day to get a bite at all. <laughs> it's just yep. like, man, this is something. You know, there's, a, there's a lot more to it. I tell you what, in Florida, I, there, I have a lot to learn down there. I can fish mangroves because you know, it's structure. Right. But sometimes the flats kind of baffle me. Well, it's, I can reverse it. I remember, um, I remember going to Jacksonville and being completely lost. Uh, you know, I mean, I I started red fishing on the West coast of Florida and I had never fished really dirty water. I had never fished, you know, four or five foot tides. I'm like, I mean, you don't even, you know, you go into a creek at, you know, noon on Wednesday and catch a bunch of fish. And then, you know, the next day you go in there and there's no fish in that creek. You're like, well, what the hell happened? Well, overnight, there ended up being no water in that creek (laughs) 
because the yeah. tide went out. So the fish had to get out of there. And there's so many creeks that they can go up any creek they want. They all look the same. They all got bait. I mean, what? Is, I mean, I, it's oh, yeah. just, it's crazy. Just crazy. It is crazy. Now, to get back to that, that clear water wind that we had, I that was a that was a tournament where everybody, the whole field, was running to Sarasota to the giant fish and what Paige and those guys called the monkey box. That, and so there was just a big school of fish there, and they were all running and just corralling them and jacking them, and it was just that was where four of the boats in the top five were, and we. I the turn that tournament was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, Thursday and Friday were the first two days elimination until in just the top five on Saturday. And on Monday of that week, I was going. I, I was around Ann Cloaked, <laughs> Keith, and I found I saw a mullet jumping, and I pulled back in this area and found this hole and under and just covered. I mean, just giant mullet just covering the surface you can just you can and then under but under the mullet was just this hue of red orange red under it and you pitched to anything into those mullet and as soon as it hit the water you'd have a seven seven and a half pound redfish on and we were, and i had never seen anything like that in florida i'd never happened on anything like that so that was monday when i found that i sat on it i got up at 4 a.m every day and i went there because I knew it wasn't, some other people had to know about it. So I got up every morning in the dark, put the boat in, got there in the dark, and I stayed there every day blocking people off of it with the trolling motor for four days, waiting on the tournament to start. <laughs> and I would stay out there all day until dark, and I'd go home at dark. <laughs> and I had and several, Greg DeVault tried to come in there, a couple other people tried to come in there, and they'd see me in there, and I saw them turn around and haul ass out. And then after we won, he devolved and a couple of guys were like, I saw you up in there. I knew those fish were up in there. And I had a couple <laughs> of guys that I had a couple of guys that came in on me and uh and they were super nice to me. You'd think somebody from out of town that somebody would like be like, Man, you better get out of here. What are you doing? But no, I told him, I straight up told the guy because he was trying to get to the hole where I had the fish pinned up or not pinned up, but I had the fish all sitting in the hole and uh he was trying to get there, and I trolled, you know, obvious, I was obviously blocking. And he throws his hands up. He's like, what are you doing, man? Are you blocking me? I was like, I, I said, man, I'm in huge debt at home. I'm on a, I'm going to win this tournament if you'll leave me alone. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to win some money. I was like, please, please, please let me have this. And he was like, that's cool, man. He turned around and went somewhere else. I mean, he was just completely the nicest guy. But I, I laid it on the line to him. I was like, man. I got to win this tournament. I'm desperate. And, and that was the year that Maverick made a mistake. And, well, they didn't really make a mistake. But they they did incentives for us. And they did, I think, I think we ended up for winning the tournament. We might have got 15 grand or something like that. It was a big incentive. And I think second, third was Murphy and Page. And they were, I think they got five. So Maverick, three of the top five votes were uh, Maverick and they had to pay a lot of incentive money so they stopped the incentive program that, that, that program was a short that was a short-lived tournament incentive program that was that, so, was, but, probably, that was probably you and murphy and bostic if i had yeah, to guess and, yeah yeah or i can't remember who the third one was 
But that tournament, the, the weather got crappy for everybody else. All the guys running to Sarasota had this long run to make. And remember, Murphy would go, everybody else would have to go inside and go through the no wake zone. Yeah. But Murphy would all, Murphy would always go harder than everybody else and go outside and beat everybody there. So yeah. I knew that he was going to do all that. But when, when, it, when Murphy and Paige reached in their bag and pulled out just water and didn't have anything, oh my God, that was the best feeling in the world. Because <laughs> we won, we had 15 from that. We ended up, I think we won $70,000 that day. That's wow. our biggest win, obviously. We were 50 for first in the tournament and all of our incentives from sponsors. We got, so we both got 35 grand. Me and Ronnie Pitts got 35 grand apiece. And I'm telling you, tournament fishing will put you in the hole. And that was a that was a that was a come to Jesus moment when I won that tournament. I'm telling you what, I, I thought that was a legit miracle. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I I was so excited. I can just talking about it gets me excited. Just that first that first big win because we had we had been do, we had done it since the beginning. I first I fished every red fish cup tournament there ever was and we fished all the flw red fish series tournaments east and west but we were just out of control fishing tournaments and <laughs> yeah. uh, to finally to finally win one it, you know it was just it was a huge event in my life yeah, it, was, uh, it was something and once you win one then you can win some others but it, you got to get that first one and it, yeah. uh, there's nothing more there's nothing more true than tournament anglers saying when it's your day, it's your day, you know, you know, and if things go bad, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. That is just, that is the way it is. I mean, that, it is. when it's your day, you know, the stars on the line, you can do no wrong. It's so much fun. That's why I, we do it. Cause it, I, cause there's only, there are very few peaks on that roller coaster. There's lots of, there's lots of bottoms. In that roller coaster, right. <laughs> very, very few peaks. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Captain Ben Alderman, tell uh, tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you if they're coming to Charleston, South Carolina, and they want to book a trip with one of the best in the business. Uh, tell everybody how they can get uh, in touch with you. Well, my website's benalderman.com. On Instagram, it's Ben Alderman Fishing. On Facebook, it's Ben Alderman Fishing. Um, so it's pretty easy, and it's eight four three nine zero six thirty six thirty. If you still use a phone, uh, for anything besides watching videos and sending emails, <laughs> um, but BenAlderman dot com and BenAlderman Fishing is all you need to know. You uh, again, one of my favorite people in the business. I don't talk to you enough or see you enough, my friend. But uh, I want to make another trip up there to Charleston. Uh, I'll be in touch. We'll try to slide back up there, spend a little more time on the boat. I, I appreciate you. I know how busy you are. I appreciate you taking some time and joining us today. I, I, I like you more than most people down there, Mike Anderson. You're the best guy down there, and I appreciate you. I uh, really do. You try. You do so much for the fishery down there, and. Um, and I really do appreciate you what you do. I, I, I hope that everything with y'all's water gets straightened out sometime in the in our lifetime. That worries me a lot. I, I want I want to be able to fish Florida like it's always been and not have have it all screwed up. At, no I really hope we can get some things done. And the captains for the captains to clean water and those guys have done just fantastic stuff down there. So I wanted to I wanted to at least say something to, about Benny Blanco and. Chris Whitman and those guys that are doing 
doing so much for the fishery down there. I really appreciate that. They, they are doing a good job, my friend. And uh, we love the way you represent South Carolina. Like I said, I'll be back up there to fish with you soon. And and uh, I appreciate you spending some time with me, my friend. Have a great day. Thanks, pal. All right. You too. Hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. My good friend, Captain Ben Alderman, beautiful Charleston, South Carolina, truly uh, one of the very best charter captains that i've ever fished with um super talented super nice guy uh patient grindy works hard uh just really had a lot of fun uh fishing with with ben there in charleston ben and i fished against one another for years on the tour um he beat me often (laughs) but i loved uh, i just loved being around the guys so so much fun to do the podcast with him remember the real animals podcast is presented by contender boats and it is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. And if you uh, have some ideas or a wish list for people you'd like to hear me do a podcast with, please reach out to us on our social media outlets. You can go to Facebook slash Real Animals. You can go to Instagram, Real Animals TV, and you can catch us on Twitter at Real Animals fish. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We appreciate you. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. Everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.